This is episode two of the Unbelievable Health series. Last week, we interviewed Sejuana Coleman, and today we have with us Sonia Morris. And for people who missed the first episode, please go check that out. This is the story of an abusive pastor at Believer's House Worldwide Ministry. The pastor's name is Bernard Cheney. And this is a series and a campaign to help expose him and bring justice to survivors of this abusive cult. And here I have today with me, Sonia Morris. How are you doing today, Sonia? Great. All right, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. And yeah, I know last week we went through Joanna's story of getting to the church, but I know you have unfortunately had a child that endured so much abuse, and unfortunately, I know you lost your child. So, I would like to give you the opportunity to tell Lexus's story and how you're seeking justice for Lexus. I, I'll start off with a little bit about how I got there. I got married in 2002. My husband at the time got stationed in Virginia Beach. So we were there for a couple of years. We had went to a family church at first. I had met a lady in a store and then he told me about Belita's house. And uh, so I said, why not try it out? I went and tried it out. Um, it was very anointed. People were getting delivered, healed right before my eyes. And that's the type of background that I have where healing, deliverance, and all that good stuff had taken place. Signs, wonders, miracles, all those good things were taking place. So that's what drew me to Belita's house. I was still going to my father's cousin's church at the time and it was luxury they were picking me up in limos and it was awesome but it wasn't what I was looking for so within maybe a couple of years I started attending Believer's House and within maybe two years I had a little business a little daycare business and I was bringing the children to to prayer because they had noonday prayer and the pastor began to say why don't you come work for us? And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. So each time he would say that, he would be like, Morris is not serious about kingdom business, blah, 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 blah. And I got tired of hearing that. And so I was like, I guess I'll give it a try. So I got rid of the six plus kids that I had and I started working for the ministry. At the time, my children were still in public school. And my oldest son, who was praying hard to be in this academy, he wanted to be in this he would get up every day and he would say, I'm gonna, I'm going to the academy. And he had a lot of faith. He wanted to be in that academy. So one day he did get a scholarship to go to the to acad to the academy. My daughter and my husband was my wife wasn't interested in going at the time. She started Hey, sorry. Sorry, the audio was interrupted just for a second. If you could start where you were talking about your daughter right at that sentence. Sorry about that. Okay, so my daughter, she hadn't, she hadn't had the desire to go to that school. She was going, as you see in this picture down here, I don't know if you can see the picture down there. That was her first day on the bus for after school and before care. Can you see it? Yes, I can see that. Thank you. That was her first day of before and after care. Care because I started working at the church. So after that, I think maybe another year, then my daughter got into the academy. And things seemed fine. I didn't see a difference in it. Um, 
being there for a couple of months, I want to say that I remember a lady coming in that I was very close to that I used to babysit her children why she'd go to the pastor's house because she was past his aid. She was past his aid. Her husband had called me one, one, one morning and was like, hurry up and get out of there because I'm about to kill Cheney. And I was like, what? So I don't know what's going on. I'm just on the outside looking in. So I run, I take my class and I run to his office and I'm like, yo, this guy said he's going to kill you. He was like, what else did he tell you? What else did he tell you? And I'm like, nothing. Is there something you want to tell me? He was like, no, you sure you didn't tell you anything else? And I was clueless, completely clueless, never knew anything. And so we went to church that same on Wednesday. And he said, he said, you guys are going to think some, you guys, there's going to be people, reporters that are to come and people are going to say lies on me. So don't believe it. It's going to come on TV. Don't watch it. So we fed into that and we didn't watch it. The reporters would ask questions. We didn't answer the question. I would have never thought anything other than that. We're still clueless, still clueless. I worked for the church from 2000, I want to say 2003, going into almost into 2004 up into 2010. And things started changing when we moved to another building. My daughter, would she stopped like communicating with me. She stopped, she was just angry all the time because we had got to that point where we didn't have food to eat. We were homeless. We, at one point, we was living in a hotel where nobody never knew we were living in a hotel until they had to pick me up because we lost our car. At that time, my husband had came back from out to sea, and he had he became leadership. And I remember being in waiting for him because he was leadership. Oh, and we would be I would be waiting for him for hours to get out of meetings. And he came out. The pastor came out and says, "Yeah, you're trying to figure out how is he a leader, and you're not because you're not ready. <laughs> you're not ready." And I'm like, I don't want to be in leadership. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be in leadership. Yeah. So that went on for some time. So as the time went by, my daughter began to change. God had given me a dream of her in the bathtub with a dark-skinned person, but he didn't let me see the dark-skinned person. Now, she's every bit of 11, maybe 11, 12. And I kept saying, is anybody touching you? Because God kept showing me that. And she was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And I was like, that was a sign. So I was like, whenever you're ready to talk about it, we can talk about it. It's okay. We can talk about it when you, whenever you're ready. And every now and then, as time went by, I would ask her. And she, I would get the same response. And sometimes she would take off and just start running. So I knew something happened to her, but she never wanted to talk about it. And I didn't want to pressure her until she was ready to talk about it. Unfortunately, it went took all those years for her to tell me what had happened to her. She was getting molested by one of the kids in the academy which was my son's one of his best friends he would pick her up from the church with my son because my son had just graduated from high school as well and he would give everybody money because he knows we're all poor we're always giving the pastor our money he would give her money give him money and everybody that was with him money to go shopping including his girlfriend and he would take her and molest her and then bring her back to the mall like nothing ever happened and I didn't ever I would have never known that Andrew until one day we were sitting she had just had a baby and she was like guess who texted me and I'm like who she was like and she said the guy's name and I was like what she said she said yeah he had the nerve to to inbox me on Facebook after he molested me for all these years I was my face dropped to the floor I didn't know who I looked at that man as if he was my son okay 
I took my guards down when it came to him. So that's what I found out in 2019, right before she died, who molested her. And she met the guy, the guy that she was dating online when she, in 2016 when she enrolled in the Navy. He was like 32 and she's 20. And she would come home. We had that relationship where I would just push the door open in the bathroom and while she's on the toilet, I'm talking to her. And I just would see, I just seen bruises all in places that you wouldn't be able to see if, you know, you have clothes on. So that's when I knew that she was starting to be abused. The next one, she dropped the charges. And the next one was the beginning of 2017. He put her in a closet and told her how does she want to die? He's going to chop her up with little pieces. Or he gave her a choice of taking a gun and blowing her brains out. Just crazy. Or yeah, wow, it's crazy. She chose the pills. She chose the pills. And so how old was this abuser? He was 32. And what was his role at the academy? Was he a teacher? This was after the fact. This oh, after, after the fact. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. This was okay. after when I moved back. And what allowed me to move in 2010, my mom, it was a couple of things. I got sick. I got sick, really sick. I had something called uterine fibroids, which caused me to, my body to go into pregnancy. So I, I was really like in labor without a baby. I would be told, I would be in the floor. I would be told I don't have any faith. It was the night that my, he said to my daughter, she was going to grow up to be a stripper. When she grows up on the mic, guess what? Lexus is going to be a stripper when she grows up. That was my last meeting. That was my last meeting. And that was my last still went there, but I didn't go into any more meetings. Yeah. So, so it, things got crazy after that. Yeah. And if you could give people the context to why he said that, tell them about the he, situation. He said that to my daughter because earlier that day, one of the children in her class pulled her pants down and one of her friends' pants down. And the teacher's right there. I guess one of the students told the pastor and the pastor got upset with Lexus and suspended her for school and of course suspended her and then when, when we I was in the car because when mad pain and he got on the mic and said guess what Lexus wants to be when she grows up a stripper and that broke her down she cried like a baby and was like mom what kind of pastor says things like this and she just oh cried and I held her and that was my last that was my last meeting I didn't go to another meeting he approached me and he said that if I didn't get back in order that I was gonna die Oh my. So he wouldn't admit to anything that he's done wrong at all. It's always everyone nope. else. Like they Everybody. you'll have you have to come to his church or you're not right with the higher power. Wow. That's crazy. And that is yeah, this is this story is just so tragic and it is sadly like an extreme example of a cult. Really, because that's what this church is. It's a cult, especially after hearing the last week about Shujuana's story and hearing the behavior. I'm like, oh my gosh, like he has used so many cult leader techniques to manipulate and scare people into submission. Yes, yeah, so much manipulation. And back to Lexis. So, like, when she was being abused at this school, was it someone around her age or was it someone older or do you know uh, who it was? 
I definitely know who it was. And you don't have to say who it was. You can just say their role. I'm ashamed to say his name. His name was Devin Freeman. Uh, He molested her from 11, I mean, from 12 to 16. 12 to 16. And how old was Devin when he first started doing that? At the time, he was 19. Oh, wow. So how did he have access to her? He went to the same school. Went to the same school. Okay, gotcha. And and remember, everybody else don't know, my son was, him and my son was best friends. And his father died and left him a lot of money. So when he graduated, he inherited that money. So he would come to the academy, pick Mm -hmm. my son up and Lexus up because he called her his little sister. And he would take them to the mall, give everybody amount of money to go mm-hmm. wow! and he would take her and molest her and bring her back. Oh, wow. That's devastating. So sad. And that's the thing that's the hardest when the abuse is brought to light is because, sadly, most children who are abused is by someone that the family knows or is close to. Because a lot of people imagine a stereotype of a creep in an alley to snatch you. But that doesn't really happen most of the time. It does happen. But the most common thing is people just, they don't expect it because this abuser, sadly, they have techniques and ways to groom children and to also get close to them and not be seen as a threat, unfortunately. I'm just curious, what other hardships did Lexus endure at this school? Because I think it's just terrible how Lexus is bullied and then she's shamed for something that was completely out of her control. Like she couldn't help that someone pulled down her pants. And then now this pastor is shaming her in front of the whole church. All right. So what I was saying was that the bully should have been punished and not the victim. And it was so sad that your daughter was shamed in that way. And I think also circling back or going back a little bit to how Bernard Cheney like publicly shamed you for being late to church just in front of everyone and just saying that we're not close to God you're not good enough and that shaming was really the purpose of that was to make you conform break me down break you down yeah to break you down to make you conform as he's once I humiliate her she'll never do this again she'll listen and she will not mess with me she will not come up against me at all And it sounds like, too, that once you wouldn't put up with his bullcrap and you're like, I'm leaving, and that's when he's, no, he's, we are going to, I want to make her say. So then, you know, what these pastors do or these cult leaders, they threaten your life. They tell you, they're like, okay, if you leave, like, you're not going to be blessed or you're going to die. And I think you said he told you that you would die, right? Yes, he told me I would die. He said, if you want to my brother picked me up and I went to say bye to a couple of kids and give them some money. Because we starved a whole lot, a whole lot. And he said, if you leave, you're going to die. And I said, if I haven't died, I died at birth. I'm still here. I had a stroke and had a heart attack. I'm still here. And I laughed at him and walked away. I know you were saying that y'all were starving. And so was that because of the fasting that y'all would do? Part was the fasting, but we didn't have money. I worked for the church. I volunteered. Uh I got paid a couple of paid. But that was when my mom asked mm-hmm. me to pay checks. But other than that, for all those years, I got zero. My husband was mm-hmm. part of the clique. 
My ex-husband was part of the clique, so he got paid weekly after he retired. He got talked into retiring, so he retired from the military. That's something that they did, talk everybody into retiring with disability. But anyways, we didn't have food. We didn't have running water. We didn't have, a lot of times we didn't have lights. It was horrible, horrible. And um, did Shaney try to help y'all in any way? He told me at the beginning, when I first got there, if I needed anything, that I can come straight to him. He gave me his number and I told him I didn't want his number. I came from a family of pastors and that's just not what you do. And I never took his number. And so when we started getting to the place where we were starving, he was like, I told you to come to me. And I was like, I'm not coming to you. You're my pastor, not my dad. So he would tell pe the people, Sonya's rebellious. That's why she's not in leadership. Don't talk to Sonya, she's rebellious. She's disobedient. And a lot of people didn't rock with me because I was so straightforward. And my, probably years later, when a lot of people left, when they found out about the abuse of the lady that went public, he allowed me to be in leadership and another female to be in leadership. My first day in leadership, I walked into the office and they had names. There was a big wall of names. Everybody who left the church, they were cursing these people. You can't make this stuff up. They were cursing everybody on that wall, on, on that board. Families, children, he, they were speaking that they'll be cursed and they'll be broke for 10 years. True story. And I raised my hand and I said, this is not right. This is not right. The Bible said, bless those. I said, the Bible said, if, if he calls you blessed, you're blessed. No man can curse anything that God has blessed. He said, Morris is crazy. And everybody laughed at me. Everybody laughed at me. Well... Everybody thought I was a joke because I would always be the one. But like, this is not right. I never forget was one of the sisters who was in a meeting. The meetings were crucial, okay? Crucial to the point where we would get in line, we, we, we had to line up, okay? And he was sitting in a chair. Sometimes he would have glasses on, which I found out that he would be like drunk and high. That's why he would have glasses. We're inside of a building. Why do you have glasses on? But anyways, the women that he was messing with, he would when they would come to him, he would say, free Willie. He'll say, somebody needs to pick up bra. Like he would humiliate them like crazy, crazy. And some of these women would leave and cry. Like, ooh, who cried? One time, one girl ran out the building and started running up the street. And he would, it would be so bad, Andrew, to the point where if you had like curls or naps in the back of your head, he would actually look and say $5, $10, $15. If your hair wasn't combed, if you had a run in your stocking, $5, $10, whatever came to his mind. And if the guy had wrinkled clothes on, he that would be a, that would be a, another fine. It, it was crazy, crazy. I never forget the time he said, come up here if you wanna know if you're going to heaven or hell. And I was like, nobody knows that but God himself. Who are you? I was like, I'm going up there. It was me and another pastor. He's a pastor now. And we were only two that would never get up and go. And everybody else would be quick. And, he, and I never forget the time he had them sign petition. If they speak against the man of God, they're going to drop dead. And these people were signing it. They were signing it, Andrew. They were signing it. That's why it's hard to get a lot of people to back us up. Because they're remembering that petition that they signed, if they speak against them, they're going to be cursed. 
first, I want to ask, what was your specific leadership role in the church? And what was your husband's leadership role in this church? My husband was, my ex-husband was a armor bearer and he was his security. So he went out of town with him. He was able to go, go, they went to the Bahamas. He was able to go wherever he went. But every time I would want to go, he would tell me I had to raise money. And if I raised the money, it was never enough. Never enough. I never forget one time he allowed me to go because he was like, I'm a hard worker. So I went on a trip. I don't remember where the trip was, but I went on a trip with him. And I remember him having different people who would do it, dig up his nose. And they would do stupid stuff like dig up his nose and like crazy stuff. Like, so I wasn't interested into none of that. So I didn't, of course, I didn't have a desire to go back on any of those special trips that they were doing. I guess my ex-husband was part of that. So he was able to go to everything that they had. It's house, all those functions, but because I'm not down, I'm not down with none of that. So I wasn't invited. I want to continue to talk about my daughter a little bit. The abuse that she endured down to the teachers, the teachers, one of the ministers had, they did a chapel, it was chapel time. And she told me that assistant pastor, which was Evangelist Green, said on the mic that Lexus is, she's nasty and she's sleeping around with the boys. So don't talk to her. Don't be around her. Same thing with the principal. I never forget that in the summertime, sometimes until he talked us on not letting my children go with their father, they would go with their dad. So they would come back with brand new clothes and hairdos and they would look really nice. She came in the school with her burgundy hair and the principal said she had to take it out. I said, for what? That was, this costs almost 300 bucks. No, she's not taking it out. So if she doesn't take it out, she's gonna get expelled. Couple, a couple of days later, the secretary, her kids had all colors in their head. It was just, they hated me and my children. They did not like us because we weren't down for what everybody else was doing. I didn't even, Andrew, to tell you the truth, I didn't even know half of this stuff until my daughter died of what people went through. A lot of things are brand new to me. Most definitely. Like, the more and more I heard this story, I just went to see him behind bars and locked away forever. And, oh my gosh, he clearly did not have any kind of conscience. None. Whatsoever. She was really... None. He was a spiritual con man, really, is what it sounds like. And even, I see a lot of narcissism, too, with his behavior. And... So what abuse did you actually find out about years later after the fact? Just sex abuse. I never forget one year, my mom was still living in Virginia before she moved back to Rhode Island. And my mom came up to me and she said to me, are you sleeping with her? I was like, ew, ma, no. Somebody that used to go there said that she was sleeping with him. I was like, ma, I don't know where you got that from, but that is not true. That is not true. I never put two and two together. I've spoken with people that I hung around all the time. You rape them. <laughs> they can tell their own story. I don't like to tell somebody else's story. I only can tell you my story. But he was raping these women. Some of them was giving it up willingly to feed their children. Unfortunately, we starved. <laughs> we starved. Yeah, we starved. So I didn't know about the sex, the, yeah. the drugs. I did see the tasing. I did witness people being tased. I did witness the tasing. 
I did witness, forgot what it was called. I don't know if Shawana's on here, but I did witness the, they would have a bishop ball every year and they, we had to raise a certain amount of money to go to the bishop ball. And it was called Fear Factor. That's what it was called. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It was called Fear Factor. So he would have worms, ro roaches. I may be ma saying the wrong things, but it, it's far worse than what I'm saying. Worms, roaches, ants. He would take a bug out of his nose and put it in the food, mix things together. And if they ate it, they would get $50. It, I see this with my, it's not something made up. I seen it with my own two eyes. And I would just sit there and just shake my head like, are you serious? People are really doing this stuff for money. My this so, wow. The ones that would eat that stuff. Worms mixed with, you name it, the most disgusting thing that you can mix together, and he would eat it. Wow. And so it sounds like he took advantage of people's need, and he enjoyed humiliating yes. people and having that power. He knew he could make anyone do whatever because they were emotionally and also financially and really spiritually in a way because people felt like if they left that God would kill them or something. So there was all these things that made them dependent on him. I guess going more also into this, the story of Alexis, could you talk about how you think her the abuse she endured led to her death? From the age of eight, so the age of 12, I say, I think he must have left like when she was 15. I, I really don't remember offhand when we, like, what age she was. But I never knew some of the stuff that she endured. I could tell by her behavior, like, I t as I was speaking to you earlier, I knew that she was molested because God showed me. And I asked her, and she was like, no, mom and she screamed and ran off and each time that I would ask her she would get more angrier and in fact the last time I asked her she ran out the house and took off her the same behavior from the church if you look at the two behaviors because of the sexual abuse the mental abuse they would put stuff in their locker and I say they were told to do by adults, put things in the locker. Wait, who did this? The students would do The it. students. Okay, I got you. He had, the Pastor Cheney had a group of children that were close to him that would that he would pay to go get him a soda or he would have his group of kids around my children and be like, I'm going to send all y'all to Dave and Buster's. And then my children are just sitting there for the rest of the day. They can't go. I put two and two together. They couldn't mm -hmm. go because I'm not sleeping with them. Yeah. That's why they can go. Do you understand what I'm saying? So mentally, that messed up my children. My son, Corey, he, I think he was about 15 when he was told, to where he, the other children was told that he had AIDS. Don't go near him. He had AIDS. And then another time, because my son, he's slowly opening up and telling me things. Because he's tormented. He has been tormented from what he endured privately. Because I never knew. Andrew, I never knew until they told me when I left. I never knew that my children were being abused this bad. Yeah. Um, it, it got to the point where he was, he told, a, a pastor told everybody he had AIDS. Don't go nowhere near him. 
don't go nowhere as narrow. He played basketball. And my daughter also played basketball. His way of giving back with, to my children when they didn't do what they, he wanted to do uh-huh. was, you're not playing basketball, sit him down. And they were like, uh-huh. my, my son, I don't know, he was a point guard. My daughter, I don't remember what she was. But whenever they didn't do what he wanted him to do, they couldn't sit. My daughter loved to sing, loved to sing. I never forget when she got a boyfriend when she left the church and we still was so, we would go every now and then, especially if they had a concert, just to sit and see if they're doing better or whatever. And he said to her, which one do you choose? Do you choose the boyfriend or do you choose the choir? She said, I choose my boyfriend. I think she felt really good to be able to say that because she don't go to your church anymore. We're yeah. done we go because we want to go when we want to mm-hmm. go. We're, you don't control us anymore. Yeah. And so he told all the children, don't talk to her. I think that was the hardest thing for her to have her peers in her classroom, her best friend, not to talk to her at all. Wow. That's just, that's so crazy to me how awful Cheney was and still is, I'm sure, today. And it's just so despicable of how he would use children to hurt other people. Yes to control the people and it's just so cowardly too and he knew he could manipulate children because number one he's an adult number two he's the pastor of the church that holds a whole other status on top of that and so it's very unfortunate that he corrupted so many people through manipulation through all kinds of abuse also and I think, I know we had a little conversation before the recording a little bit about Lexis and treatments from her teachers. What other kind of terrible treatment did Lexis get in the school from teachers and other people? I know at one point, one of the teachers was accused of messing with her. She cried like a baby because she was very close. That was the only teacher she can confide in and get comfort from all the other abuse because he knew they were wrong. So he, at one point, they were like, she's sleeping with the teacher, which I never knew this. So now, never knew it. I never knew it until she died. Wow. Never knew it. So it sounds like if you didn't conform to what Cheney wanted, he would just spread rumors about you. So people wouldn't believe anything you said. No one would listen to you and everyone. So he would just use slander to control the narrative and still put himself He's a good guy, basically. And so did anyone else notice or even question his behavior? Not that I know of, because after my first meeting, I wasn't able to really be in meetings anymore. After I was like, when he had all the names on the wall, for those who don't know, my first meeting, I went in the first time not knowing what to expect it being in a leadership meeting. I walked in and they had every person's name on that wall who left the ministry. They were speaking curses on their lives. They were speaking that they'll be broke for 10 years. And it was the most creepiest thing that I ever seen in my life. So I'm just trying to think of the timeline. How long were was your family at this church until y'all finally left? And so was there any point at the time at the church where you fell under his control or did you always kind of push against or was it, or did you conform at first and then 
you saw through Cheney and like slowly inched and backed away? I would always sit with my ex-husband at the time and I would tell him these things are not right. And he would be like, look, if it wasn't for him, you would be still sick. I said, if it wasn't for God, I would be still sick. Because I remember going into the choir, and I know it's another story, but it goes with what you're saying. Going into the choir, I used to, we would sing three times a service, three, three times a day. So it was three services. And I hadn't had no food, Andrew, no food. We'd be our fast is what we had to pay for the fast. I don't have an income coming in. All my income comes from whatever my husband would give. And we'd starve a lot. So I remember, I remember passing out. I felt my, I felt my body leaving. I remember people coming in the room where I was. I could hear them, but I couldn't respond. And I remember them saying, go and get the pastor. I said, God, I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to die. Uh, I began to try to plead the blood of Jesus in my mind. And I remember Yves Green coming to touch me and everybody around me was scared. We're supposed to be in a faith church. Everybody around me was scared, but I remember just pleading the blood of Jesus. And I remember coming too. Shortly after that, I had a stroke. Right in the daycare, I had a stroke. I remember my classroom was right next to the nurse's office. And I remember just feeling funny and weird. So I gathered up my class and I went to the nurse's door and I was like, something's wrong. I don't feel right. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She started panicking. They asked the director to take the children. And I remember the, direct, the head director coming over and having me smile. And I remember my face was drooped. They called the pastor and the pastor was like, she just needs to eat. I remember laying on that chair from during I don't know what time I went, but I was there till late, late at night in that same chair in that office. I remember them bringing me something to eat, ate that, and I went home. And guess what, Andrew? I had another stroke when I went home. Oh, wow. He was just like, just pray. You're going to be just fine. Just pray. I ended up getting my son. I didn't have a phone or nothing. My son saved my life that day. He oh, ran wow. up the street. Yeah, he ran up the street. My husband left me and went to meet to the church. I was at the house with no oil, no food, no nothing. My son ran into the neighbors. It called the paramedics and they got me to the hospital. I'd had a full bone stroke and a heart attack. Oh my God. Full bone heart attack and stroke. And do you not know, Mr. Andrew, I didn't get not one phone call. I didn't get a flower. And I volunteered at that church for years without one dying, without one dying, without one dying. And I got called back to come to work because all the children was gonna, the parents were taking their children from there. Instead of Sion left, something's not right. If Sion don't come back, we'll wow, move wow. our children from this daycare. Wow. And like that, that is just so sad because I've heard other stories of like when people actually are in need, they're just forgotten or left or not cared about. And that's not what the church is supposed to do at all is the exact opposite. And do you think that people secretly were shaming you or maybe openly shaming you about going to a hospital in the first place or? You gotta remember when I had the uterine fibroids, that was after I got shamed. I was wow. told that I didn't have any faith. 
was in chronic pain, Andrew. Chronic pain, 24 hours in a day. And I would yeah. still go to work daily. He would say that I had no faith. Yeah, that is really hard. To have someone shame you for something that's natural and you can't help. And it honestly makes me think of this story in the Bible. I'm trying to remember specifically in the New Testament. It was about someone questioning. I think I can't remember if someone was blind or someone has some kind of disease. And they were like, oh, what did your parents do to sin? And Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't remember all of it. Just I remember, you know, Jesus that. Regardless. Yes, thank you. But he said, who sinned? Who sinned? Was it the mother or the father? And he said, no, no, no one has sinned. He said that he's in this condition that I may be glorified. Is that what you're talking about? I think so, yes. So, like, even in that moment, in the Bible, he didn't shame that person for what they had at all. Not at all. And so it blows my mind to see pastors like this take little bits and parts of Scripture and twist it and use it to abuse. Because I know in the last interview... So Joanna talked about how he used the verse of turning the other cheek. He would go around slapping people. Slapping people. I did see one time he did try to hit me. And, oh, wow. And okay. the reflex was so fast. Uh-huh. He ran towards the whole church. Sia Morris tried to hit me. I was like, you about to <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what a he tried, he tried to smack me, but it didn't work. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I can see as a cult leader and as a narcissist, they don't like people who don't conform, who don't go along, who don't take abuse. For me, my what career I'm getting into is that I want to be a therapist and eventually I want to become a cult expert. So right now at this time in my life, I'm trying to take the time that I can to read psychology, learn about cults, learn about mind control and how these people use these things, and also how to have an intervention with someone and try to help someone escape the cult. So I wanted to quickly take time to go over some of the things I learned, but I will definitely pause. If you want to continue, if you have something else to share, I can save this for the last. If you want to share anything else you feel is important. No, you're good. Okay, got you. Just want to make sure. So yeah. So there's this incredible book by Stephen Hassan, and he is a world-renowned cult expert. He used to be in the cult, the Moonies or something. It was really big, I think, in the 80s. But he was able to escape that. And from that experience, it blew his mind how he let the, this cult manipulate him and put him under mind control, basically. So when he escaped, he dedicated his life to becoming a cult expert and helping people escape. And he wrote this book called, let's see, Combating, com, combating, like, Mind Control or Combating, something like that. I'll put the link in the bio for people to see, and I'll share it in the group, because I think it's a book, if y'all ever wanted to read, it's really good. But he created this model. It's called the BITE model of Mind Control, and it's an acronym for these different words, ways that cult leaders use Mind Control. And so the B, it stands for behavior. And really, it really digs into the environment too also. And the kind of environment the person is in, where they live, how much money they have, the clothes that they're wearing. It's very controlling of every aspect of their life. And it just made me think about how Cheney would have people give 
all this kinds of money and how he would try to keep them in the church. He didn't want them to leave the church at all. He never encouraged outside resources whatsoever. It was just, he's no stay in the church, very controlling of people's behavior. And but the I, it stands for information. And so they will control information to manipulate people. So lying is a thing that happens a lot. Definitely. It's like abuse claims come up. Of course, they'll lie about it or twist it or make it not seem as bad. And the, they don't want you to have access to like outside resources or any kind of material that might critique or question their beliefs or the way they're approaching beliefs in any respect. And another thing, too, the T, it stands for thoughts, so thought control. Indoctrination is something that happens a lot in cults. And basically, that just means that indoctrination is where people accept things, are told to accept things unpredictably. They're not allowed to question anything that anyone tells them. You just, you accept it no matter what. It's just this person. So it sounds like Cheney used that in a way of, I am the man of God. You don't question me. Say this. You do this. So it sounds like he had that indoctrination that he would use. And I think an issue, too, in these kinds of cults and churches is that people can claim that they have access to an absolute truth and or that they can interpret a scripture perfectly. Or they'll say, no, this is how you interpret it my way. This is the right way. My way is. And I've seen Cheney throughout this series, him twist scripture to use against people. And so people like that, they'll tell you how they think or what it means or really how it really how it benefits the manipulator. That's how they twist things. And from that kind of perspective, the manipulator is like, all right, so this is truth. So you don't need to think. Just listen to me. Don't worry about it at all. And the E of the bite model is emotional control. And basically the goal is to narrow the range of a person's emotions. It kind of has this view of all or nothing or black and white. So like you feel wonderful or you feel horrible. There's nothing else to feel that extreme of emotions. And guilt, fear, and shaming is used a lot to emotion control people. So it makes me think of the public shaming that he used against you and other people to break you down. And another way, which is a big thing I've seen Chaney use is through the emotional control is called phobia indoctrination. And phobia indoctrination is when the leader puts so much fear of people leaving. There's so much fear of leaving the fold. And so just hearing talking about how he threatened your life if you left other people's lives and how he would write these names on this wall and pray because of course I'm sure everyone talks about that wall and it scares so many people and they're like oh my gosh like this is going to happen and like they were very dependent on him and so he had that control and people were too scared to really leave in addition to the bite model, Stephen Hassan, he talks about in his book, The Three Steps to Gaining Control of the Mind. And the first stage is called unfreezing. And this just means when they disorient and confuse someone and they start to break them down. And this is usually done through depriving people of food, depriving people of sleep, 
Um, and in your instance, humiliation and shame, just breaking down someone emotionally through that. And Cheney did do that a lot. He shamed so many people. He deprived people of food through the excuse of fasting. People were so sleep deprived through all these long meetings that he would have. They were already so emotionally unstable, breaking down. Of course, they would follow every command. And the second thing that these leaders do is called changing. And this just means this, they imposing a new identity onto someone and basically giving someone a new set of like behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. And the reason this stage is important, because this person is broken down, there is this void that is left in this person from that, this brokenness that happens from that trauma and abuse. And so to fill that void, they give this person a new set of thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs to follow and techniques that these cult leaders use to change people is they use indoctrination they indoctrination through just repetition of different phrases or beliefs that they interpret and force onto people and enforcing conformity as another way they create new identities into people and also i think there can be this shaming of basically trying to make people forget who they were before they entered this whole and like they distort their past they make them think that they every part of their life was terrible until they came into that cult or under them or like my life is so much better here and so this is what they do sadly and so basically to convincing people that they have to be someone else and this someone else is what the leader wants them to it's just really just conforming and doing whatever Wait, the wants them to do and so the last stage of this mind control these mind control steps is refreezing it's giving the person a new life or a new purpose or it's when they officially finally transform into a new person and really in this stage this person is completely unrecognizable to what they were before and i've talked to different people who've had family members in cults and they're like it's like their personality and who they were completely changed like they had no idea who this person was anymore this is accomplished through number one like i mentioned earlier distorting of the past and making you think that every it really just makes people want to disassociate from who they were because they're so convinced that they're so much better with the cult but see also and there these members can be actually are a lot looked down upon by the leader they put them down like the leader is being seen as like a spiritual parent and the member is seen as like a child like the spiritual leaders i know more than you like you're so spiritually immature you're this like i'm so much better still have been questioning me and giving people like a new name or even new clothes or pressure to give all their money which shaney I know Archaney did a lot, and I know that he put so many people into debt by extorting money out of them, and it was crazy to me how you were talking earlier about if something wasn't right about someone, but their clothes or their hair, he's, oh, all right, $5, $10, give me this. And people were so under his control that they did it, and 
And all the things I just talked about, I learned from Steve Hassan. It's not original to me at all. I just want people to know that I am learning from a lot of different masters and people. And I even, I work for a therapist and a cult expert. Her name is Rachel Bernstein. And I know she's very excited for everyone to share this story on her show, but she's been helping people escape cults for decades. And she has a lot of experience, I know, especially with Scientology. And I really look up to Rachel and what she's done and what she's continuing to do. And it's really important, I feel like, to continue spreading the awareness and education about cults because cult behavior, it can happen in relationships. And cults aren't just around religion. There are political cults too that oh, no. today. Like it can happen in many social groups. It's not just exclusive to one thing. So I think that's so important for us to know these signs because a lot of cults, these things can happen covertly. But it sounds like with the cult that you're in, there was a lot of covert and a lot of overt abuse that went <laughs> it was like terrible. I'm so sorry that all that y'all had to go through this. And it really breaks my heart that these things have happened because I'm sure so many people from that church have just experienced just trauma in general. And I think another terrible thing too is just religious trauma that happens as a result of these toxic places. And it's really hard because I grew up in a very toxic church and I experienced a lot of psychological and emotional abuse. And the thing with religious trauma is because you have that spiritual authority over you, it really destroys your spiritual life. It really damages it. You feel like you lose this connection to that life source that you have in your life and it helps you get through life and it renews you. But when that's taken away from you or distorted or destroyed through trauma, it is just so devastating to your spirit and to to who you are as a person. And, and for anyone listening and for other members that are in this meeting now, trauma takes time to heal most definitely through that trauma. And I definitely want to try to find some different resources for y'all for psychology to help or just any kind of counselor. I'm really excited to what this series can do and what Rachel can do. And as I help the other people involved, how we can bring awareness to this. And for people listening, I just want to say this as like a call to action that because of this series, we're trying to expose Bernard Cheney, shut down his church and shut down the school that has abused so many people. And I know Sonia and all of you are really fighting for the children, trying to protect these children from abuse and bring justice to the people who have been traumatized and abused for years under Bernard Cheney. By the time this episode comes out, there's going to be a link in the bio, I think I'll probably call it like activist campaign or something. You can click the link and it will have the written story, ways to contact the survivors and also a call to action that you can sign the petition. You can read the testimonials. You can follow the Facebook page. And there is a call to action of a message to copy and paste and reshare onto social media so we can get this story noticed and around. And I know, Sonia, that Sujuana said that y'all are possibly also going to do another protest soon. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do y'all know how soon 
that is going on. Uh, within at least within the next month, I believe. She said she said she didn't want, want to do anything in the winter, so I, I'm we're probably looking really soon to go okay. because it's the winter was rough mm-hmm. all. Oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Just communicate when that's going to happen because we'll let you know. I want. I don't want this to come out after the protest happens. I want this series to come out before it happens so that people can come to it, actually, because I'm going to try to... I definitely, if I can, I want to come and help y'all protest and bring justice and help bring along anyone else who can. But yeah, so anyone listening... The more the merrier. Yes. The better, like, I, yeah. I believe the more people that we get, it'll bring more attention I believe that I feel like we're getting close we're getting close yes I know I saw the petition and it saw I it had over 2,000 signatures and I'm like okay that's really good and I know that the more signatures you can get on these petitions it can get more attention so I'm hoping to through this so we can get more people to sign that so that some the news can pick it up too and there are several reporters and other different podcasts that I'm gonna reach out to and probably soon, I'm going to start sending out emails to different podcasts. And I'll probably put y'all as the people I send it to also, just so you can know these people and start communicating. And I think I'm going to finally finish updating some of the things on my website that I have about it that they can, so that people, because it's a very complicated story. And it can be really hard to communicate something simply to someone that is so complicated and so complex. So I'm trying to, I think the website is finally, I guess, what it's up to be so that people can understand the situation and all that is involved. Because I know this is, honestly, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. lot. It was so much, Andrew, I had to take a break. It was mentally too much. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, at the same time, it was just Mm. much. Yeah. Yeah. with, it's been two years since she's passed, so I'm able to remember. My head is a little bit more clearer than it was yeah. two years ago, to where I'm able to remember a lot of things that happened to me as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It is. Yeah, and yeah, definitely take the time that you need to take care of yourself. Well, I do. Trust oh, me. Oh, good. Yes, I know when there it's we go. time to be like, shut it down, that's it. You need yes. a grace. Yeah, it. go good, yes. Because I know in a, lot, in a lot of these cult-like environments, there's so much pressure to never rest and to always be working nonstop. And there's so much shame around taking care of yourself. So I'm glad that you're able to recognize that because, you know, if you I have to support the team, yes. it was system. Right. my pastor, which is on this line, passed that oh, around. Yeah. And I have a host of people who, who yeah. helps daily to cope. Yes, that Thank is you. so crucial. Yeah. Because so in- every day when you find something out about another child, my daughter's no longer here for me to ask yeah. her. Does that happen to you? Yeah, that's that, hard. That keeps a toll on me as well. Yeah. Because I'm like, God, I wonder if that happened to her too. Wow. Oh, I know. That's devastating. And I'm so sorry for all the abuse that you endured and all the pain that you went through and what your daughter and all the other people involved with this. And I just hope through this campaign that we can bring the justice just, that people deserve. Sure. Justice. Yes, yeah, justice. It yes. We may not be oh. today and may not be tomorrow, but yeah. it will be served. It will. We have a lot of strong people on this line right now yeah. who are willing to go all the way through. That's to great. The mm-hmm. Yes. So 
I want to thank you again, Sonia, for coming on the show. And I want to give you one last opportunity of anything you would like to say to listeners. I just say if anyone is on this line in the call, run fast. <laughs> if anything that was said with the last week, what Shawana or myself, and you feel like you're in that occult situation, run. Don't even think about it, because if you think about it, you may stay a little bit longer. I thought about it so many times, but the opportunity with my daughter getting kicked out of school helped me run fast. I just say run first, run. If you, even if you're in a church that, that has cult-like, cult-like symptoms where maybe they're like, where you been? You need to run. Like, you really need to run. You need to run, even if it's not intense of what we've been through. Abuse is abuse. Mm, yeah. Different levels of abuse. Yeah. Sometimes they start off small. Like yeah. when I got there, it was, something, it was minor. And then as the years went, it got oh. bigger and bigger. So mm. I just say run. I thank Andrew for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you for coming up. I'm not going to stop. I may have slowed down a little bit considering I am raising our daughter. And she does go through a lot as well. Alex. And I got a lot going on in my own personal life. I do slow down a little bit, but yeah. there's not one day that I'm not making a phone call or sending off an email trying to do something to bring justice for these children yeah. because they didn't deserve it. Some of them are, are dealt from that. Most of them are dealt now that are going through so much mentally that are ashamed yeah. and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. Mm-mm. So just for these children, it will come to pass. Yes. It will come to pass. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, thank you so much for coming on. And I just want to quickly say that I look up so much to you and all of you involved who have pushed through and had the resilience and the strength to continue fighting because there are days where I'm just angry, so angry about the situation. And I can't even imagine or feel how all of you are dealing with all these uh, terrible, awful things. So I just want to say that. Oh, oh, so terrible. But thank you again for coming on and for a last oh, call wow. to action. Oh, yes. And for a last call to action, people listening, please click the link in the bio and help push and share this campaign and follow the steps that we we're asking you to do to help bring justice for Lexus and other survivors of the abuse of Bernard Cheney.